Hey, it's John from CityCast. If you're in the mood to pamper yourself a little bit this week while supporting cruelty-free products, you should check out Bone Cur Home and Wellness. It's the best place in Portland to find everything from chic home decor to cannabis accessories. They've got a curated collection of vegan and cruelty-free home goods and wellness products because their name is French for kind heart, after all. You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at boncoeur.net. That's B-O-N-C-O-E-U-R.net. And use the code BONECURCITYCAST20. Before Portland was known for bike-friendly streets and cute little coffee shops, the lore is that we had a pretty bad reputation in our early years as a black market for all things illegal. And Old Town Shanghai tunnels are believed to be remnants of that seedy past. So stories of human trafficking, opium dens, and gangster hideouts have fueled the hype for what is now a pretty popular tourist destination. But Doug Kank Crispin, resident historian at ORHistory.com, says that maybe that's not the whole story. It's Monday, March 20th, 2023. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. If you're from Portland, most of us know exactly what the Shanghai tunnels are. But for someone who's just moved here and they're just like, I'm sorry, this sounds racist. Can you explain what what the Shanghai tunnels are and what being Shanghaied means? In the 1880s, Portland was a very lively port of international shipping commerce. So during that time, the ships would come in and they would need to have crews assigned to them. They would apply to gentlemen that were called crimps. And a crimp is a man who makes it his business to seduce the men belonging to another ship to join on with his client's ship. Okay, so we might call those people headhunters in our current era. So these shipping headhunters, these crimps, would go about crimping these men. And every once in a while, they couldn't find enough able-bodied men to join up on these ships. And then they would begin the action that we call Shanghaiing. And the reason why it was called Shanghaiing was Shanghai was kind of like one of the furthest ports that you could go to from the West Coast United States. But Shanghaiing tends to imply that you're maybe getting... You're stolen. You're stolen. stolen. Yeah, yeah. You (laughs) You know, you're in a bar, Yeah, you know, and you meet your new best friend and he's buying you all kinds of drinks and all of a sudden you don't feel too good. And then you wake up on a bark outside of Astoria a couple days later. Somebody's kicking you in the ribs saying, hey, buddy, let's go get your ass to work. That's Shanghai. And so that happened now and again in the Portland area. But there were no tunnels involved with any of this. The business interests were all about this stuff. And the police were involved in it as well. The port authorities were involved in it. Everybody's getting a little bit of the pie, except for those lowly sailors. Like I said, if you had come by Old Town in like the 1880s and you saw a horse-drawn wagon and it had a couple of passed out dudes in the back, like nobody would pay any attention to that. There was no need for these tunnels they do not exist. Well, I see what you're saying. You're saying that there was no need for tunnels. All this stuff was happening above board. Yeah. 
people knew that someone was getting sent on a ship and there was no need to hide it is what you're basically saying. There was no need to hide it at all. That was good for the local economy. (laughs) There was a lot of unemployed dudes in Portland. You could say, hey man, you want to go to England? Do you want to check out what's going on over there? So that's where the crimps come in, right? So there was some nefarious stuff going on with the crimps, but it wasn't like, you know, you're walking down a back alley and somebody hits you with a sap in the back of the head and drags you off to this like, basement puts you in a shitty little jail cell or something like that wasn't happening so i heard that you have been to many of these shanghai tunnel tours yeah i've been to a couple of them i've been to one myself and i'm curious which one you went to and what they were focusing on so the one that i went to was led by michael jones r.i.p uh he was the gentleman that kind of came up with the idea, and I do say that pointedly. He invented the idea of the Shanghai Tunnels. I went on two of his tours, and then I met him socially a few times as well. He was a uh, great guy, gave a wonderful kind of Disney-esque tour of the basement of Old Town Pizza. So um, it was a fantastic tour. I took my daughter on it. Um, At the time, she was about 12, and she could give a rat's ass about history stuff. But then there was this ad for one of Michael Jones' tours that was kind of a ghost Shanghai Tunnel tour. Ooh. Right. So you you would meet, like, ghosts of the people that died in, apparently, the basement of Old Town Pizza. And one of the the highlights of their tour was that there were, I don't know why, in a Shanghai enterprise, but there were like little baby ghosts. And as you would walk by, the little baby ghosts would like grab your hand. And like grown men had been known to cry on this tour because the fear was kind of their hook, you know, their marketing hooks. My daughter thought that was fucking awesome. I think she wanted me to like cry in public or something. But so we went on the tour, you know, she was kind of proto-goth then. I kind of blame Stephanie Meyer for that or whatever, but that was kind of her vibe. And we had a great time. This is a perfect tour for a young goth. This is the stuff of young goths. It really is. So, (laughs) um, so yeah, so we went on the tour and I surreptitiously had a voice recorder in my pocket. And so kind of recorded the tour. And, you know, as I was walking through the tour, I was just kind of wondering, like, what's true and what's bullshit? And when it comes down to it, it's all bullshit. Like, there really was nothing in that tour that was based on reality. And, again, it was a fantastic, immersive experience. But, like, entertainment. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, We'll be debunking my own experience on a Shanghai tunnel tour. So I, so this is what happened to me. I went in and it wasn't just one place. Like you go down to several locations underneath Old Town. And what I do remember is they said, this is the room where they would put the women and when I was just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> women got Shanghai? They're like, yes, into sex trafficking. And on the floor, they had something for you to walk on. But they're like, don't step off of this because it's all sand and glass. And what they would do is they would steal the shoes of men and women, put yeah. them in these like little rickety cages. And if they were to break out, they're barefoot. Everywhere they stepped was glass. So yeah. it would keep them contained. And how much truth is in that? 
is that because that's a lot of like dang that's a deep lie like that is a lot of yeah, fiction yeah, yeah. and they're just like we didn't make this this was here when we got here what do you think doug well okay so there's two different issues here right you got okay. the shanghaiing and then the sex track trafficking right and so um as far as women on ships they did not send any women on ships again like they take the shoes off of these guys and it's like you want sailors without shoes on board ships like, no, these are wooden decks. You know, you don't want guys walking around without their boots. Because I saw it too. Big old stack of like logger boots. All the and, shoes, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're like, these are all the poor, unfortunate souls. Yeah. And I thought the same thing. I'm just like, so they're just barefoot? They're just walking around on a ship barefoot? Or do they get new shoes? Like, are there shoes on the boat? Yeah, no, th there's not. Okay. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so again, I keep coming back to the comparison to Disney and it's like a, it's a real live kind of Disney experience. Disney's kind of fun, you know, I mean, I find it less fun the older I get, but you know, <laughs> like yeah, as a yeah. kid, I thought it was a good old time. It's a fun tour. I don't want to drag the tour's name through the mud in that respect, but it's all bullshit. But were the tunnels actually built by Chinese workers as for some reason it is now said? <laughs> Uh, Portland was one of the largest Chinese communities in the United States. But again, a lot of these Chinese, almost always men, were working in mining or they were cooking in logging camps or things like that. They were finding seasonal labor as well. So the Chinese had all sorts of diversions for these men to spend their money on, including opium dens, gambling, like there's a game called Fantan that they played. You had to kind of guess how many beans there were and stuff like that. Sounds um, exciting. Yeah, totally. Lots of ways for them to spend money. And what the Chinese had was in basements, they would construct, I'm going to call them impediments, almost mazes. So you would walk along, there would be a wooden oak door and it would be locked. And once you, as a law enforcement officer, picked that lock, you would come in and then there would be another door. All right. And it would be really dark down there. And so there would be like these impediments to slow law enforcement down so that the Chinese could evacuate the Fantan games or the opium dens that were going on further behind. So this is kind of where the idea of the Chinese tunnels came into be. Now, there was a lot of racist terminology associated with this, of course, you know, their warrens and their labyrinths, how they were kind of shifty and real shady and things like that when you look in the period papers describing them. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm not seeing anything like a mine tunnel you're just saying there was a hall and there was a lot of doors a lot of I doors mean. yeah you <laughs> yeah. know to, and the <laughs> only reason why is to slow people down so you can get the fuck yeah. out of there and not get, mm -hmm. go to jail okay so look the lore of the shanghai tunnel is one big encompassing thing to us and it's like you know men would get shanghai women would get shanghai Ch the chinese mm -hmm. built these tunnels there's also the lore that the gangsters you know that they were used as expressways during prohibition between speakeasies. I mean, is mm -hmm. any of that true? No, uh-uh. I mean, again, <laughs> oh, no. like well, what we're talking about here is we're talking about basements. You know, I mean, there's nothing like like <laughs> you just like, made that so unsexy. Yeah, Shanghai you know, I mean, so they're just basements. They're yeah, basements, they're just basements. They're, they're connected, interconnected basements. Sometimes, like here and there, there are basements within Old Town where there is a section of the wall between the two businesses that is open that you can walk in between, but it doesn't go on and on. You know, that's what's kind of interesting about this too. If you do a search on the historic Oregonian, you know, the Oregon Journal through the Multnomah County website, there's no mention of tunnels associated with this until 1970 when Michael Jones, again, rest in peace, came up with this story, you know, and started the lore, this business, right. the lore. So like, it's just not, 
there. And since 2010, through my podcast, Kick-Ass Oregon History, you know, we've asked people, please, like, give us some documentation, like, show us your Mm -hmm. uncle's diary. Where he's like, oh, and then I was I was I in this shitty little jail cell. My, my shoes yeah, yeah. Were taken. Totally. I you love know? those and shoes. Yeah. If you go back into the Oregonian, specifically around the 1920s, there was a lot of romanticism associated with people being crimped. And they would talk about that. And they might use the word Shanghai. They might say, Oh, I met this guy and he told me I'd make 50 bucks, but I only made 20 bucks, you know, and then I was on this ship for a couple months and the food was really shitty. And then I you know, landed in England and I had to find my way home. Like there are several accounts of people who were air quote Shanghai during this time in the Oregonian, but none of them talk about tunnels. None of them talk about being held in these little jail cells. <laughs> just in the daylight. You know, like, and everybody yeah, else is like, you know, oh, it's, good it's day, just, sir. Yeah, <laughs> not, it's just not reality. <laughs> just taking five dudes in a wheelbarrow. They're you know, okay. just take them on down to the ship. They got their shoes on, though. That's so, right. <laughs> um, why do you think Portland wants to believe or is like really holding on to this lore from the 70s? That's not that long ago. I don't know if people have been down to Old Town in like the last two and a half years, but even before the pandemic with our houseless situation in Portland, Mm -hmm. things have been pretty rough in that neighborhood. You know, a lot of social services are kind of based. There's a lot of people congregate in that area, you know, and businesses have been affected by a number of issues, crime, houselessness, pandemic, and so on and so forth. You know, we get a lot of Portland is burning. Portland is dead. Will Portland return? Like real good clickbait articles that are out there. But the reality is businesses in Old Town are suffering. Mm-hmm. I used to do walking tours down in that area all the time. And in the past two and a half years, I really haven't been able to. And, you know, I look at the economic situation in Old Town and it really needs something. There's a lot of history down there that is true that people Mm -hmm. can check out. But this bullshit myth is fun. And it Mm -hmm. was bringing people to the area to check it out. Bringing tourists to Old Town is fantastic. Kind of a a return of normalcy, right? And to kind of dispel some myths, but some realities of what's going on in that neighborhood right now in our present era. So I kind of welcome some opportunities for some more... um, Let's call them like crimping tours or Shanghai (laughs) tours, but like (laughs) they don't need to occur in the basement of Old Town Pizza. So, okay. So we've heard a lot of BS (laughs) about, about this. Tell us one good story in Old Town that, that is for real, you know, someone's grandfather has it in their diary. It's Yeah. yeah. So, so you can go down to second Burnside and there's a housing option for folks that are kind of in transitional situations called Erickson's. And Erickson's was a saloon. Supposedly it had seven bars inside of it, 650 feet spread from second Avenue all the way to third all along Burnside Street. Dang. It was billed as the largest bar in the world. You know, somebody in the 1900s, early 1900s wrote, to have come to Portland and not visited Erickson's is to not have come to Portland at all. So it was this huge, <laughs> like massive bar that loggers and fishermen and all these working dudes would go to. And it was run by this uh, Finnish immigrant named August Erickson. And he decided that he wanted these working men to experience a level of opulence that they had never known before. Right. So this was a situation where you would walk in and there were like these garish oil paintings of nude women, you know, air quote, tastefully done at the time. And there were crystal chandeliers and there were mirrors. And 
all of this was available to these guys if they came in and kept buying these nickel schooners of Henry Weinhardt's beer, right? And there were gambling games on the second floor. On the third floor were these little tiny rooms. And these little rooms just had a bed, you know, and maybe like a chamber pot next to it. And if you negotiated with one of the working women downstairs, you could kind of commence with whatever arrangement you had come to. Or you could just spend the night there for a nickel or something like that. You know, August Erickson wanted to provide this opportunity for these working men to come into his bar and spend every fucking nickel that they had just made in the woods right there, yeah. right? So he had a post office, he had a barber shop, he could take a bath there. All these things just set up into this huge, the full service place. Full service yeah, bar. exactly, right there on 2nd and Birdside. So that's a spot that I think that would be worthwhile for people to check out. So, I mean, you get to actually take a look at some of the history and then how some of those historic spaces are being repurposed, right, to help right. address the issues that we have in Portland today. Well, Doug, thank you so much for taking the time to debunk some of these lures and, uh, you know, ruining my my spirit about downtown but <laughs> but i wish that bar were still there if you told me like hey they just opened up the longest bar in the world downtown i would go right right totally <laughs> I would, yeah i would totally. go I'd just be like why oh, not yeah, yeah just go and see see stand at one end and say i'll give you a book if you can slide that drink all the way down here That's exactly what i i know joke doug i was like i just want to slide a beer across exactly yep And now for your microdose of news. Portland director Mark Gustafson won an Academy Award for the animated film Pinocchio last week. And if you didn't know, it was mostly shot in the Northwest Portland offices of Shadow Machine. And now Gustafson has announced continued collaboration with the alley-based animation studio and their next locally made project is Milepost 88, which is reported to be a mystery series. Uh, oh, and Walmart stores in Oregon and Washington will no longer offer paper or plastic bags at checkout, but they will continue to sell their, you know, branded reusable bags. The big box store got a lot of attention recently when it announced plans to close two stores in Portland. For even more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. There'll be a link in our show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Thanks again to Doug Kank Crispin for talking with us. We'll have links to his website and podcast Kick-Ass Oregon History in the show notes. We'll be back tomorrow with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's.